Welcome back to the program. Suddenly, talk of income inequality and poverty is all the rage. Perhaps it's the political season or Thomas Piketty's book or a focus on the minimum wage. Or perhaps it's just the reality of what we see all around us in America. But how does this talk turn to action and what kind of action? We see in Silicon Valley and in tech that when a company succeeds or is bought, all of its employees, all of its stakeholders benefit. Why can't the same ideas apply to corporate America at large? This is part of the ideas put forth in Citizen Share, a new book and a new way to look at these issues by my guest, Joseph Blassie. Joseph Blassie is a professor and sociologist at the School of Management and Labor Relations at Rutgers University and the author of a new book entitled The Citizen Share putting ownership back into democracy. Joseph Blassie, thanks so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be with you. Great to have you here. The idea of employee stock ownership plans and the idea of employees of large companies having a stake in that company is not a new idea. Why is this something that we're revisiting again now? Well, I think we're revisiting it because income for the middle class has been flat since 1980. And the only households whose wealth is expanding and income is expanding are those households who have an ownership of real estate, an ownership of part of a business, some stock ownership, some capital income, dividends, interest. Without capital ownership and capital income, the middle class is doomed. And to what extent have those that have participated in that ownership, to what extent have they benefited profoundly as opposed to the rest of society? Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. So the Urban Institute and Brookings Institution's tax center recently told us that in 2011, 86% of all capital gains and capital income went to the top 20% of the U.S. population. Now, are we to believe that only the top 20% of the U.S. population is working hard and deserves some rewards? No, that's obviously not true. So we have to figure out a way for people to own stock and have access to profit sharing in their companies because wages alone will not build income and wealth. To what extent, though, and we've seen this in the past with some of these employee ownership and, and employee participation plans, that it really becomes more of a Band-Aid, more of, of something that's putting lipstick on a problem as opposed to something that really benefits people? Well, sure. There, there have been cases of employee ownership gone awry in American history. The buyout by the pilots and the machinists of United Airlines was a mistake. The airline was not doing well. Employee ownership doesn't work when it's used to rescue a failing company. But look at Silicon Valley. Companies like Google, like Apple, like Qualcomm have had broad-based profit-sharing and gain-sharing and broad-based grants of stock and stock options on top of fair wages uh, for decades. In fact, this is an idea that in modern times was reinvented in the San Francisco, Palo Alto, Silicon Valley area. What are the inherent problems, as you see it, in expanding this idea to corporate America at large? Well, I, I think the main problem that we have is that the last eight presidential administrations, whether Republican or Democrat, have cut back on tax incentives for broad-based grants of stock and profit-sharing to employees. Let me tell you something that's very specific to the San Francisco and Silicon Valley area. 
In 2002, 57% of all workers in computer services had stock options. And today, that is lower than 25%, been a huge drop. Why? Because the federal government pulled back on these uh, incentives. And we need to change that. In many ways, the places where the incentives have been used most effectively are those areas where it's been used to gather or to retain employees. That's not the case in the current labor market in general. Well, uh, in tech companies, in fact, I think I would would, would disagree that you know, broad-based profit shared in employee ownership really uh, is used to retain employees. And in companies like Southwest Airlines and Procter and Gamble, which are you know non-tech companies that have these kinds of uh, plans, uh, they are used to retain employees and engage employee uh, em- employee loyalty. We find, on average, that companies do better that have these broad-based profit sharing and and ownership plans. But the big point of of my book is to tell the long 250-year history of the share idea in American history. And it's really a book of stories. I hope people will enjoy the stories that I tell. Talk a little bit about the share idea and why the sense of it, the, the reality of it, in just in terms of sheer participation, has been such a positive force, even where it hasn't had the same kind of economic impact. Well, it's, it's had a positive force in several parts of the economy. We've already talked about about tech. Among family businesses, it's been a huge positive force. Uh, your family business people and family entrepreneurs will know that the biggest problem faced the family business is what happens when the entrepreneur wants to retire and go to, uh, go to a, a hot climate and, and live in a condo and look at the beach. They have trouble selling the business because it's not traded on a stock market. A lot of families are now selling their businesses to managers and employees through an employee stock ownership plan. They get the cash out of the business, and the workers who help them build the business get some capital ownership, capital income. So that's an area where it's happening really positively around the country. Tell us about some of the early days of this, some of the early history of this, and the way the, the whole way the idea kind of evolved. Well, the book is really about the early history. So I start out really with, uh, with George Washington and talk about Jefferson and John Adams and Alexander Hamilton and, and James Madison. And when they were founding the United States, they had this idea that broad-based property ownership would be necessary to have a democracy. Now, it's true. At those times, everybody wasn't included in citizenship. There was a great social exclusion of, of, of women. And thank God we've gotten beyond those things. But people like John Adams had this notion that you had to have broad-based property ownership. The way they implemented that was by having easy access for citizens to buy large plots of land so they could be independent farmers. And as long as land was the main form of wealth, this idea worked pretty well. Then President Abraham Lincoln, with the Homestead Act, made this land accessible to uh, families and citizens in the western part of the United States. When the Homestead Act passed, the Speaker of the House of Representatives for Lincoln said, the future of this is shares in corporations, because we're out of land. Why did the idea disappear for so long? Well, I, I think uh, it's, it's a complicated answer. When William Cooper Proctor, the grandson of Proctor & Gamble's founder, did this in 1885, there were no corporate taxes. There were no individual income taxes. He just did it. And now, 
today, everything that a business person does either is punished by the tax system or rewarded by the tax system. The last eight presidential administrations have introduced punishments in the tax system for doing broad-based profit sharing and employee stock ownership. Sure, there's some positive things in the tax system, but in general, the last eight presidents have gotten away from the share idea uh, in American history, and we need to change that. Is there too much cynicism in the system today to get people to embrace this idea? I think there's a lot of a lot of cynicism, but there are two reasons why I think people might embrace this idea. One is, and the book tells this story, both Democrats and Republicans and also independents have supported the share idea for the last 250 years in American history. It's a nonpartisan idea. It could very well be the single principle to reorganize the tax code. The second reason is that, as you mentioned with your mention of Thomas Piketty's work at the beginning of the program, we only have two alternatives. We either increase taxes and redistribute wealth, which I think is not really consistent with our private uh, market economy, or we figure out a way to go back to this original idea to broaden property ownership by providing ownership shares uh, at companies where people work and, and giving some tax incentives so every business person asks, you know, could I do this? You mentioned the United Airlines situation a while ago. Talk a little bit about examples where these kind of programs have been done and haven't worked, the things that we should be aware of and be wary of as we see perhaps some more of this take place in the economy today. Well, there are two things to be uh, wary of. First of all, in the United situation, the company wanted to cut workers' pay and benefits and change their work rules. And they said, okay, we'll make all those cuts and we'll give you stock in return. Well, when you already start out underwater, it's not very motivating. United also had very bad relations uh, with its unions. It was not a good place to try these. Where this idea works is in employee stock ownership plans, where a company sets up a trust to buy stock for workers, it gets tax incentives, and workers get grants of stock without sacrificing cuts in wages wages or benefits. Another place where it doesn't work, let's take the the case of Lehman Brothers that collapsed when we had our big financial recession a few years ago. Lehman Brothers workers were encouraged to put as much of their money in buying their company stock. And this was a problem because when the company collapsed, workers had a lot of their savings and retirement tied up in company stock. So you don't want employership that workers have to buy with wage concessions, wage cuts, or with their savings. What the tax system needs to encourage is lower-risk forms of employee stock ownership, like grants of stock and stock options, as we see in Silicon Valley, and ESOPs, where workers get grants of stock, but they're not getting cuts. They're not paying for it with their wages. There is the sense, though, and, and Lehman Brothers is a good example, because even if all of those people hadn't had to buy the stock or pay for the stock themselves, even if a lot of it had been grants, the problem in those situations is that once bad news starts to happen within the company, and this is certainly more true today in this, this age of instant communications and social media, once bad news starts to happen or rumors of bad news for a company, everybody wants to bail. The, the, the news spreads so much more quickly today. 
Well, I, th- I, think, uh, I think that's really true. There's a really interesting study done by an accountant at the University of Toronto, Francesco Bova, where he finds that companies that have a significant, a significant amount of employee ownership, uh, they're providing more honest disclosure uh, to their shareholders. I think that if employees are owners in a company, uh, that they're more likely to watch over the company and get some early warning of, of, of bad news. But remember, a lot of the companies with broad-based employee ownership or profit share are not on the stock market. So they're not affected uh, from, uh, f- from bad news so much. They're like you know, King Arthur Flower, uh, which sells specialty flowers, or Eileen Fisher that, sh- that sells uh, women's fashions. Uh, these are closely held companies that aren't affected by, by the stock market so much. They're in local companies, the local companies in, uh, in, in regions, and they're doing quite well, and uh, their employees are really making that company work. It's not a dependency on the stock market. How might this work effectively in lower-wage jobs, in, for example, in the service sector? Well, I, I think it's important to, to be you know, very clear about this. Uh, people in lower-wage jobs want higher-wage jobs. And so if you have a lower-wage job and you have a little profit sharing, well, that might be a little better. But really what you need is a fair minimum wage and you want a, you want a better job. So I think where you have low-wage jobs, it would, it would be good to have some profit sharing or maybe some stock ownership. But really a low-wage job, uh, every person who has a low-wage job wants to, you know, wants to move up the organization. In general, though, companies with employee stock ownership plans tend to pay their workers better and provide them stock ownership on top of it. So it usually is a better uh, situation for lower-wage uh, lower workers. Beyond the tax code, are there other ways that this can be encouraged and nudged along, essentially? Yes. Uh, there's a re- uh, recent piece of legislation introduced by uh, Senator uh, Sanders from Vermont, which uh, asks the federal government to set up employee ownership centers uh, in each of the states with some seed money. Uh, we have an employee ownership center in California, in Oakland, the National Center for Employee Ownership. We have one in Vermont, uh, for example. And Senator Sanders would like to see these set up uh, all over the country to educate lawyers and accountants who help family businesses decide how to sell the business, how to grow the business. And, and we'll also help stock market companies figure out if they can do these plans. But the key point is, now that we have a big tax system, and we spend a trillion dollars every five years on tax incentives, as a condition for receiving any business tax incentive, a company should have broad-based employee ownership or profit sharing. That's the main policy idea of the book. What have we seen in Detroit where they've tried to do things like this? Mid-century, mid-20th century, Walter Ruther of the auto workers went to General Motors and said, what if we did profit sharing and did some employee stock ownership and we were partners? And General Motors told him, you know what, we're not interested uh, in that in that idea. I think Detroit got into a cycle of us versus them, uh, labor relations, uh, where the workers got fixed wage increases but didn't have enough of a share. Now, Ford went down another, another road. Mm-hmm. Uh, the founder of Ford established profit sharing very early. Ford did not seek a bailout from the government. Ford has always had very liberal profit sharing and has had that in its culture. 
General Motors, on the other hand, didn't have that uh, uh, in its in its culture, and uh, I, I think that part of what we saw in the auto industry was because all workers and middle managers and professionals were not partners. Which really raises the question whether or not it is possible to impose this kind of idea or to encourage this kind of idea in companies where the culture, the long-term culture of the company has been antithetical to something like this, whether or not it can be successful in that kind of environment. Well, I, 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 think, I think you're really correct. I think companies with really bitter, really bad labor relations, uh, it's going to be very hard uh, to turn uh, to turn that, that that around. And the book's idea that to receive a business tax incentive, a company would have to have a broad-based ownership or profit-sharing plan, that's a, just a suggestion to managers. It's not an attempt to impose the idea. I think managers and owners of businesses can best decide what works for them. What I'm really interested in is that we have an incentive for every business owner to look at these ideas and you know that's done through tax. That's done through tax incentives. You are right. In a company with really bad culture, really bad labor relations, you're not likely to see this work really well. How can this circle be squared with respect to the politics of this? How can this be something that doesn't get caught up into traditional left-right politics? Well, we've been talking about about policy. Policy is about two percent of the book. Most of the book is a story from 1780 to present, and it tells about how this was actually a nonpartisan idea in American, American politics. Even with the founders who disagreed on so many other things, even in the 1800s, in the early 1900s, uh, staunch Republican uh, John Rockefeller was very much in favor of trying to push this idea. So I think in terms of politics, it is a nonpartisan idea that could well be supported by both Republicans and Democrats and be very appealing to independents. In fact, there's a national poll showing that it is the one economic policy idea which appeals across the political spectrum. Is the devil in the details, though? Are there aspects of putting this in place within companies that will make it disruptive in terms of the politics of it? No, I, I, I don't think so, because uh, one of the things I do in the book is, uh, with my co-authors, we show examples of large companies, small businesses, stock market companies, tech companies that do this well. This is not the main way that we have business in the United States, but we have a lot of business people and managers who know how to do this well, and other managers will talk to them and uh, benchmark, uh, benchmark against their companies. I think there's a lot of evidence over the last hundred years that business people can figure out how to do this if they have the incentive and, and they wish to. Outside of the tech world, where has this worked really well? It's worked really well in Procter & Gamble, for example. Um, William Cooper Proctor, the son of the founder, uh, went to Princeton, went back home, and he implemented this in the mid-1880s. Procter & Gamble has a long history of profit sharing and a significant uh, broad-based uh, employee ownership. It's worked well in Southwest Airlines, which has cash profit sharing. They recently gave checks for 30% of their cash profits to all of their employees last quarter. And they have broad-based employee ownership and have broad-based stock options. So it's not mainly a, a tech issue. It's working very, very well in uh, employee stock ownership plan, ESOP companies uh, that are closely held, as I said, in regions and small towns across the country. Uh, where business people have sold their businesses 
to the workers and managers. There's a lot of positive, positive examples. What's been some of the negative pushback to this idea? Where does that come from, and what's that about? Well, I think the biggest negative pushback I hear is, why shouldn't we simply let the economy, you know, evolve however it evolves, and if a small number of rich people like Warren Buffett end up owning most of the economy, what does that matter? Well, you know, the whole point of the book is, no, it does matter. You look back at the founders of America, they said, uh, John Adams, Washington, all of these people said that you cannot have a democracy and a republic with extreme concentrated wealth. They cared about this. President James Madison, in fact, wrote a series of ideas for how he would use the government and tax incentives to broaden ownership. They cared about it, and they knew we couldn't have a democracy without broad-based property. I guess when we see it inside of Coke Industries, we'll know it's finally been accepted across the board. Yeah, well, I, I don't know how Coke Industries is, uh, uh, is, is organized. But I, I do want to point out that there are a lot of companies and business leaders who have conservative and progressive views who have these, uh, these, these ideas. And, and that's, you know, one of the things after six years spent with my colleagues writing this book that was positive, uh, positive for me. It's not the solution to all of our problems. I think it is a big part of the solution to the inequality problem. Joseph Blassie, the book is The Citizen Share. Joseph, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thanks for your great questions. Goodbye. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.